If you grew up in a Western country, then during your school years, you may have studied Shakespearean plays, novels written by Charlotte Bronte, or perhaps Don Quixote. Well, in the Chinese world, many people are most familiar with the Si Da Ming Zhu, or the four great classical novels known in English. And these four great classical novels are well known to anyone familiar with Chinese culture and are commonly taught in Chinese schools. These four great classical novels were written hundreds of years ago, but still hold a profound place in Chinese culture. There are many stories within these novels that are awesome on their own. And one of my goals of my podcast is to tell some of these stories. Because of this, I feel like it's important to give a brief overview of these four novels first before diving into these individual stories in the future. G'day everyone, and welcome to the Bamboo History Podcast. I'm your host Stephen, and this is a podcast about Chinese and East Asian history. If you enjoy this type of content, then please check out my podcast and subscribe to it. I also have an Instagram account too, which features visual content, teasers, as well as additional historical content too small to fit into a podcast episode. So please check out my Instagram too, at Bamboo History Podcast. Thanks. To all my existing listeners, thank you again for your continued support of my channel. Okay now, let's get straight into it. Today's episode will feature the four great classical novels, or known in Chinese as the Si Da Ming Zhu. These are the four most famous novels that were written in ancient China, and command a place in literature similar to that of Shakespeare in English culture. You're all probably wondering then, what are these four great classical novels? Well, the four novels are, in order of the time that it was written, Shui Hu Zhuan, San Guo Yan Yi, Xi Yu Ji, and Hong Lou Meng. Okay, now let's start talking about each of these books individually so you know what they're all about. The first novel, Shui Hu Zhuan, spelt S H U I H U Z H U A N, was written by author Shi Nai An, spelt S-H-I-N-A-I-A-N, in the 1300s, during the late Yuan Dynasty in China. In English, the book is known as Water Margin. Shui Hu Zhuan is set 200 years prior to when it was written, during the late Northern Song Dynasty in the 1100s. The story focuses on a group of outlaws who rebel against the government and set up their base on top of a mountain called Liangshan, spelt L-I-A-N-G-S-H-A-N. Liangshan is surrounded by a lake and a marshy swamp. Hence, Shui Hu Zhuan is also known in English as the Outlaws of the Marsh. Out of all of the outlaws in Liangshan, the story focuses on 108 of them, specifically 108 heroes, known in Chinese as Hao Han, these 108 heroes are made of 36 heavenly spirits and 72 earthly demons. And in the book, the origin stories of many of these 108 heroes are explored. 
with one consistent element in their stories being how they ended up becoming an outlaw to rebel against the government. These outlaws came from all walks of life. Some were soldiers, some were scholars, and some were just the local restaurant owner or the fisherman down by the river. These 108 heroes and the other outlaws are led by a man named Sung Jiang, spelt S-O-N-G-J-I-A-N-G, who is also the only character that actually existed in real life. Sung Jiang initially leads these outlaws against their resistance against the government, but afterwards he submits to the government with all the other outlaws, and end up fighting other rebels for the government which ultimately leads to the fall and demise of this Liangshan rebel group. The plot of Shui Hu Zhuan largely mirrors the author Shi An's own experiences growing up in the late Yuan dynasty in China, where China was in a state of disarray, having been marred by natural disasters, drought and constant conflicts from peasant uprisings. Having seen the failures of the Mongolian-led government as well as their repression of the majority Han Chinese population. Shi An, a Han Chinese himself, was fueled by a growing distaste of the government and his novel was a manifestation of his sentiments. Out of the four novels, Shui Hu Zhuan is currently my personal favourite and it is filled with great stories such as Wu Sung Slays a Tiger, The Stealing of the Birthday Gifts, as well as the flower monk's destruction of the Mount Wutai Monastery. The second of these four great novels is The Romance of the Three Kingdoms, or San Guo Yan Yi in Chinese. If you've tuned to my previous episodes, you will realise that I've already made references to this novel, in particular episodes 15 and 16, where I make a reference on two people, Cao Cao and Zhuge Liang, both major characters in this novel. The author of the San Guo Yan Yi was Luo Guan Zhong, spelt L-U-O-G-U-A-N-Z-H-O-N-G, who lived during the 14th century. The book itself is based largely on the historical text San Guo Zhi, or in English, Records of the Three Kingdoms, which records the events of the late Han Dynasty and the subsequent San Guo Three Kingdoms period in China in the 3rd century. San Guo Yan Yi largely mirrors the historical events that happened in the 3rd century, which was the fall of the Han Dynasty, and then the subsequent power struggle between the many warlords, eventually leading to the formation of three kingdoms in China, with the story ending with the unification of China by the Jin Dynasty. Unlike the first classical novel, Shui Hu Zhuan, most of the characters in San Guo Yan Yi existed in real life. However, their personalities have largely been exaggerated in the novel, which have been expressed in the many stories in the novel which have become famous in Chinese culture. One example of this exaggeration is the Taoyuan San Jie Yi story, or in English known as Oath of the Peach Garden. In this story, a warlord named Liu Bei and two of his followers, Guan Yu and Zhang Fei, swore an oath to become blood brothers under a peach tree. In the oath, the three of them swear to save the troubled and aid the endangered, and that whilst they are not born on the same day, same month and same year, they will all seek to die on the same day, 
same month, and same year. Although it was recorded in the Sanguozhi that Liu, Guan, and Zhang were all very close like brothers, the oath under the peach tree never happened. Regardless, this story has had such cultural impact that the peach tree oath has inspired, for example, gangs like the Triads, who require new members to swear an oath becoming blood brothers similar to the one that Liu, Guan, and Zhang made 2,000 years ago. The stories in Sanguo Yanyi are unique, colourful, and everlasting, and range from stories relating to war, strategy, love, education, you know, think Cao Chung and the Elephant in episode 15, and also of morality. Whilst Shui Hu Zhuan gives us insight into the complexities of human beings, Sanguo Yanyi gives us great insight into the complexities of human society in general. Now, I want to move on to the third great classic novel. The third novel was written more than a hundred years after the Sanguo Yanyi, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, and this famous novel is called Xi Ji, and known in English as Journey to the West. Out of the four novels, Xi Ji is perhaps the one most suited to children, and as a kid, I really loved watching the cartoon adaptation of Xi Ji. Like the previous two novels, this one is also loosely based on real history. The plot of Xi Ji centers around a Chinese Buddhist monk named Tang Sen, spelt T A N G S E N G, who journeys from China to India to attain Buddhist scriptures. On his journey, he's accompanied by three supernatural beings who are also his disciples Sha He Shang, an underwater monster, Zhu Ba Ji, a pig, and the most famous and most powerful of them all, Sun Wu Kung, a monkey and known in English as the Monkey King. During this journey, Sun Wu Kung, Zhu Ba Ji, and Sha He Shang guard Tang Sheng against all sorts of dangers mostly from monsters who all believe they can become immortal if they eat Tang Sen's flesh. So most of the journey involves Tang Sen's disciples fighting off these monsters and rescuing Tang Sen from the clutches of death. During the journey, they also encounter many interesting places, such as a country with only women and no men, a river as wide as the ocean, and mountains filled with fires that burn eternally. Wow. This novel was written by Wu Chengen, spelt W-U-C-H-E-N-G-E-N, in the 1500s during the Ming Dynasty, and was based on the Tang Dynasty Buddhist monk named Xuanzang, spelt X-U-A-N-Z-A-N-G. Xuanzang journeyed from China to India during the 7th century and studied Buddhism in India for many years before returning to China with a wealth of new knowledge about the religion, and subsequently helped further spread Buddhism throughout China. Xuanzang's journey to India was also fraught with danger, but his scariest experience was almost dying from dehydration in the desert. I think I would much rather prefer reading a story about monsters trying to eat someone, rather than a story of how a man survived dehydration. I mean, just watch the movie 127 hours for that. The novel also focuses on the lives of the three disciples prior to the journey, 
and that each of them had made mistakes in the past, which led to them being punished. For example, Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, was trapped under a mountain for 500 years by Buddha before being given an opportunity to accompany Tang Sen on his journey to redeem himself. Shi Ji has been a novel not just influential for Chinese readers, but also for non-Chinese readers too. The most famous influence, perhaps, is that the main character Goku in the anime series Dragon Ball is based off the monkey king Sun Wukong. And fun fact, the Japanese reading of Sun Wukong is actually Son Goku. The final novel out of all the four was written in the 1700s by Cao Xueqin, spelt C-A-O-X-U-E-Q-I-N, and the novel is called Hong Long Mung, known in English as Dream of the Red Chamber. If Xi Ji, or The Journey to the West, is a great novel for children, then this novel is great for adults. A novel about family and romance, Hong Lou Mung features a wealthy aristocratic family called the Jia family. Jia, spelt J-I-A. The novel goes into depth of the Jia's wealth and power and is a great source of insight of traditional Chinese culture, especially that of the rich. The novel explores the nuances of the relationships between the members of the Jia family and other upper-class individuals. But the story ends in tragedy, when the family falls out a favour from the government as their family mansion is raided and all their wealth gets confiscated. Amidst all of this, the story focuses on a love triangle with two girls and a guy. Sounds like the perfect setting for a... Actually, let's just, actually, let's just keep it PG. The guy's name is Jia Baoyu, J-I-A-B-A-O-Y-U, and he falls in love with a beautiful woman named... Lin Dai Yu, L-I-N-D-A-I-Y-U, who loves music and poetry just like Jia Bao Yu, but she's very sensitive and is always prone to illness and depression. I mean seriously, what's with all the beautiful girls in Chinese history being sad all the time? If you tune into episode 18, you'll know what I'm talking about. However, Jia Bao Yu has already been arranged to marry another woman named Xue Bao Chai, spelt X-U-E, B-A-O-C-H-A-I. Xue Baochai is very pretty as well, but is the complete opposite of Lin Daiyu and has a fun and bubbly personality in contrast to Lin Daiyu's more melancholy side. The only problem is, there is absolutely no chemistry and emotional connection between Jia Baoyu and Xue Baochai, so when Jia marries her, he isn't really happy. Oh yeah, and... I wanted to mention that these two women are both cousins of Jia Bao Yu, so basically it's an incestuous love triangle as well. Nothing like good old ancient Chinese love story writing. The most interesting aspect I find with Hong Lou Mung is that, unlike the other three novels, the readers never get to know the time period that the story is set in. The story is set most likely either during the late Ming Dynasty or the early Qing dynasty in the 17th century. But the author, Cao Xueqing, purposely made the time period of this story anonymous. Why would he do that? If we examine Cao Xueqing's life, we can see many similarities between his life and the fate of the rich and powerful Jia family. 
Cao Xueqin was also born into an upper-class family in the Qing dynasty, and the Cao family had close ties with the Manchu royal family, and their family's power reached its height during the reign of the Kangxi Emperor. Cao Xueqin's grandfather, in fact, was a playmate of the Kangxi Emperor, so they were good friends. However, after the Kangxi Emperor died, the new emperor, the Yongzheng Emperor, didn't like the Cao family and purged the entire family, confiscating all of their money and wealth. As a result, Cao Xueqin grew up in poverty with his family. Hence, it is thought that the Hong Lou Meng novel was a way for Cao Xueqin to criticise the Qing dynasty government for whom he believed caused their family's downfall. But to avoid getting into trouble with the government, he made the time period within his story ambiguous so as to prevent any links to the Qing government that it was criticising. So yeah, that was a brief overview on the four great Chinese classical novels, all of which form a big part of Chinese literature, and of which its stories are famously told all around China and beyond. If you want to go deeper into Chinese literature, having a read of these novels, or even watching the TV show adaptations, is a great way to start. That brings an end to this episode. Now that I have introduced these novels to all you listeners out there, I will be now posting stories from these novels in my future episodes. I hope all of you enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to my podcast to tune into more exciting content like this. A reminder to also follow my Instagram too, at Bamboo History Podcast, for visual content, teasers, and additional historical content too small to fit into a podcast episode. If you would like to contact me with comments, feedback, or topic suggestions, please do so. Either DM me on Instagram or email me. My email address is in the description box below. Okay, time to go now. Whether you're feeling rebellious, in search of a peach tree, fighting monsters, or keen to reach out to your cousin, I wish all of you the very best. Have a great day or evening, and I hope to see all of you next time on the Bamboo History Podcast. Bye for now.